If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Tudor Dixon Podcast in the Clay and Buck Podcast Network. Welcome to the Tudor Dixon Podcast. I'm Tudor Dixon, and it's great to have you tuning into our podcast today. As many of you are aware, the ups and downs of the economy, the impact of COVID, and all those supply chain problems, among other issues, have been hurting small businesses across our country. In Michigan, it's really bad. We keep losing businesses, and with those losses come the additional sting of population loss. The state of Michigan is just really struggling. So that's why I wanted to talk to one of my favorite people when it comes to talking jobs and how to make new jobs, entrepreneurship, all of that stuff for small businesses. My guest today is someone who knows the struggles and works to help those small businesses succeed. Alfredo Ortiz, he is the president and CEO of the Job Creators Network and the author of the latest book, The Real Race Revolutionaries. Alfredo, welcome to the podcast. Tudor, thank you so much. Always nice to see you. It's always great to see you. I want to talk about something really quick at the beginning, because as you know, I'm in Michigan. We've talked about my race here in Michigan and what the future of Michigan looks like, but we really are struggling when it comes to businesses. We have the automotive industry. The automotive industry has actually been able to keep some businesses out of the state because of the fear of not having enough workers. So it's it's kind of now hindering our progress as opposed to making more progress in the state. We see other states like Texas, where Dallas, I think in the last 10 years, has had 200 new headquarters move in. Michigan mm-hmm. is really, we've had headquarters move out. And the latest from Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of Michigan, she came out and said that she is going to start a committee that will look at population growth through 2050. I mean, come on, a committee is really just, I don't care, right? Right, right, absolutely. It seems to be the Democrats' favorite new thing, you know, root cause analysis, uh, right? It comes to everything from the vice president on down. And so, look, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to actually figure out what's wrong in your state, really, um, because it's all about regulations and taxes in your state. I mean, it's just out of control, um, and, uh, 
unfortunately, I think as long as she's governor, I don't think that state's really going to be able to turn itself around. I mean, you need policies that are pro-growth, pro-free enterprise, pro-entrepreneurship uh, uh, policies, which really be- does mean low regulations, less regulations, uh, and lower taxes. And her new climate plan will be way more regulations. But I want to oh, yeah. ask you something else, because we have Democrat-led cities here, like Detroit. And when I was on yeah. the campaign trail, I had a guy that was talking about he was starting a restaurant in the suburbs of Detroit and one in Detroit. And I said, let me ask you this. If you were a resident of Detroit and you just wanted to start up a business for the first time and you wanted to maybe start your own restaurant, how difficult would that be? And he said, well, you couldn't afford it, first of all, because you have to hire so many experts to get through the red tape. And he said, and then you really, if you don't know the right people, you'll never be able to start a business. So how do we take communities that are suffering and have them rebuild from within if they cannot even figure out how to own a business or start a business? That's a great question, Tudor. I mean, it's, you know, I, I live, uh, you know, down here in Georgia, uh, where we're fortunate to have, a, obviously, a pro-growth, pro-free enterprise uh, governor in Governor Kemp. You know, during the COVID crisis, for example, we were one of the first few to really open up. In fact, I think we were the first ones to really open back up our economy. And so because he actually understood that he comes from a small business background, he understood what it took to run a small business. And so, you know, he always favored, you know, the, the elimination or reduction of red tape to do that. But, you know, when you have these blue states, which, you know, and blue cities in particular um, run by these uh, blue mayors, is that, you know, there is a real problem here because they truly embrace and believe that more government regulation and more government intervention in some way, shape or form actually is going to help. And I have not run into one small business owner yet that raises his or her hand and says, oh, please, please help my business. Please raise my taxes and please give me more red tape. This is just not the way an entrepreneur works. Um, And I have to tell you, you know, there are 33 million small businesses in this country that employ about 60 million uh, hardworking Americans. So, you know, I always say that small business is too big to fail. And you're seeing that in Detroit, you're seeing that in Michigan, is that, you know, when these small businesses fail, your communities fail. They are the backbone of our country. They are the backbone of our communities. When you go to these little league, you know, fields and soccer league fields on weekends, what are the billboards out there say? It's not Coca-Cola, Michigan, you know, uh, uh, Delta Airlines, uh, Citibank, right? That's not the people who actually sponsor your communities. It's the car dealer down the street. It's the pizza guy, right? It's it's the sub. Well, it's, it's, so, it's the local uh, franchisee of a subway. To be honest, I mean that's why we have continued to supplement the automotive industry in the state of Michigan, and and so many of our tax dollars go into like we're held hostage by this industry that says you have to keep paying us to keep us here because so many of your small businesses are a part of our industry that if we leave we will crash the state, but. Don't bring any other businesses here because we want to be the only employer in these towns. So, uh, for example, Flint is a town in Michigan that is really suffering. I mean, just a couple years ago on the news, a a mother was interviewed and she was begging, please bring in jobs because our sons have no place to work. And she said, that's why we have so much violence on the streets, because there are no jobs. Well, I was talking to a community college president just the other day, and he said, you know, it's interesting because... Because I was saying, well, in my own town, they were asking me not to bring business because they don't have enough workers. And he said, gosh, I was actually in a meeting with the chamber in Flint and 
Stellantis was there, or GM, I think, was there. And they heard that these other companies were planning to come there. They went to the government and said, don't you dare bring them in. And they prevented new business from coming to the city of Flint. And we're essentially hostage to this because we have, we believe we have to have them. How do you get out of that mindset? Because that's certainly the mindset of Gretchen Wimmer. As you know, and again, I, I, I certainly hope uh, when, when her reelection comes up, I hope to see your, your, your name on that ballot, of course, Tudor, because we need people that understand this um, and have a completely different mindset. Uh, your current governor just does not get that. Um, and unfortunately, until you have leadership change at the top, which then translates all the way down or starts at least trickling down, uh, you're not going to get the kind of change that's going to turn around a state. Um, you know, you know, for, for example, if you look at Virginia, um, where you had, you know, a Democrat uh, governor before Governor Youngkin come in, once Governor Youngkin has come in, he's really turning that state around because that leadership is coming from the top. Um, and it's an understanding of what small business, for example, really does bring to your, your, your communities, to your state. Um, you know, in some states, small businesses represent 99.9% of your total uh, 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 businesses in, in oh, that's state. Michigan. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, it's probably at least 99%. And so, you know, when you have unhealthy small businesses, I mean, people will pull out. I mean, it's so funny. Um, well, not funny. Uh, but you know, the uh, during Small Business Week, the uh, the president was in the Rose Garden touting how wonderful all this new, new, uh, new small business growth was happening. And, you know, I dug into the number that he was referring to. It's really interesting, actually, the way they play this and twist around the data, because what they're looking at is not net uh, uh, new businesses. They were actually looking at gross new businesses, which basically means they were counting, for example, a business that was leaving New York and going down to Florida. Jeez, oh, as a new business. A net zero, right? They yeah. They counting that as a new business. That's so, ridiculous. Which is absolutely crazy, right? And so, look, I mean, unfortunately, you're going to start seeing people who understand this and who just say, I cannot operate in this state anymore. And they are going to leave. They're going to go to Texas. They're going to go to Georgia. They're going to go you know, to Florida, uh, uh, Tennessee. They're going to go to these red states that understand that low taxes, uh, lower taxes or no taxes in some cases, um, and less red tape really is going to make a difference. I mean, out in Arizona, for example, former Governor uh, Ducey, I love the phrase that he had is operating government at the speed of business. He made a point of, in some cases, I think he had made a couple of examples where permitting processes where you were taking 18 months, he was reducing it down to a week. When you're running a small business and it's that, your capital on the line. That's so important. That, that's and that is a number one complaint in, in Michigan yeah. was every, if we wanted to build in Michigan, it would be what, what we could do in Tennessee in two to three months would be nine to 12 months in Michigan minimum. And think about this. We in Michigan are just giving money away. I mean, I, billions, you know, Ford will get, I think, 
$2 billion from Michigan taxpayers this year. Other automotive companies will get hundreds of thousands. And we are giving this money away. But our small businesses have time and time again told me when we went to the governor and said we wanted to grow, she said, no, the money is not there for you. You have to do that on your own. They have gotten fed up. They have decided to leave the state. The governor, when she was asked during the campaign, what is your plan for population growth and economic growth in the state was very seriously looked at the crowd and said, we will be a place that you can get an abortion no matter what. That was her economic growth plan. Yeah. I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, Tudor, I'm not sure if you remember a few years back, but when the city of Baltimore uh, approved the wage increase, uh, minimum wage increase, the Democrat mayor at the time actually vetoed that. Um, She got a lot of uh, uh, crap, quite frankly, thrown at her because she did that. But the reason she did that is because she said she understood what that would do, the damage that would do to the small businesses in the state, excuse me, in the city. And, you know, the, 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 you know, kudos to her because she actually, you know, was, was a blue mayor that, that, that basically overrode a blue city council um, but but we do need brave people, of hopefully even on the Democrat side, that do support and stand up for small businesses. I mean, we know that entrepreneurship is the number one way to really break that racial and economic divide. You, you, you mentioned the book, which I'll put it right here, uh, The Real Race Revolutionaries. That's exactly what I talk about in the book is that the only way that we can really have true change in terms of racial and economic divide and how to bridge that gap is through entrepreneurship, um, you know, and, and without that, especially amongst minorities, you're not going to have uh, uh, really this this issue addressed uh, from the country. And it's not more government that's needed. It really is an ability to help it help 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 these small businesses uh, succeed by bringing down their taxes and bringing down the red tape. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. 
and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, you and I have talked about how do you get the people to really understand this? How do you get people on the ground? Because it during our race, so my background is manufacturing. As, as many people know, I come from the steel industry. We had a steel foundry. And so I understand what it is to go up against the government when it comes to environmental and yeah. all of this, all of these outrageous regulations that they throw on you. But in some cases, I would say Republicans and the United States have the cleanest manufacturing in the world because yeah, we yeah. are held to such a high standard. But there are some standards that are keeping businesses from actually expanding. In Michigan, we have an interesting situation where these companies have been allowed to sign non-disclosure agreements. So mm. I was asked during the campaign, having come from the manufacturing industry, sat with the Michigan Manufacturers Association, and they were talking to both of us for endorsements. And Stellantis asked, will you continue to give us this money? And I said, I would love to comment on it, but I don't know why you received that money because you have a non-disclosure agreement. And the woman looked at me and she said, are you indicating that we should have our agreements be public? Yeah. I mean, I think if you yeah. are taking taxpayer dollars, there are things that we can keep private if you have proprietary information, but we should know why you're getting that. And that was really afterward, they came out and they said, well, the story is you didn't get the endorsement because the power of the automotive industry who believes that you may cut back the incentives that they're just handed year after year and never held held to what they say, never held to the agreement. Well, we'll bring in maybe 2000 jobs and then jobs leave. So right. how do you get the people to truly understand what's happening behind the scenes? I know you've talked about doing ads, talking about real leadership, showing people in blue states or purple states yeah. what red states are really doing. Yeah, so, so that's another great question, Tudor. We actually started a project last year called the Great Opportunity Project, GOP for short. Uh, my humble and our humble attempt to try to actually redefine what the GOP stands for from Grand Old Party to really what is what we should be, the Great Opportunity Project. Uh, and we have shown time and time again that through an understanding of entrepreneurship and embracing of entrepreneurship, that you can truly succeed and break out of that. I mean, you and I have talked a little bit about my background, but I come from a poor background. I was I, I grew up in Chula Vista, California. Uh, my mom was a housekeeper. My dad was a tailor. I used to go on trash day with my mom, collecting aluminum cans and newspapers, um, you know, to make to make ends meet and you know to, to buy our groceries for the week. And so, you know, fast forward, you know, she she also, by the way, was the first entrepreneur probably I ever met because um, she she was able to do the best garage sales, craft sales and bake sales you could ever imagine. Uh, but but fast forward to, you know, where I am today. Yes, I worked in corporate America and Fortune 500s and I got a great, uh, a, a great education uh, out, uh, uh, you know, with my undergrad. 
I went to Michigan, by the way, uh, University of Michigan, got my MBA, paid my own loans, by the way, um, paid those off by myself, not with anybody else's help. But it was really my two small businesses that I established here in Georgia that really kind of was my breakthrough moment because it had really established you know, my own opportunity uh, to be able to make something of myself and to have something that I owned. And that really, frankly, uh, when I sold the two businesses, put me on a great path to where I am today. And so, you know, the more we embrace that, the better off we're going to be. But again, you need to have that leadership come from the top and make those bold moves, very similar to what we're seeing with Governor Yunkin. And so the Great Opportunity Project really highlighted some of the great work uh, of some of these fantastic governors, for example, uh, Governor Reynolds, uh, who you and I love and have talked to uh, 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 extensively in Iowa, uh, Governor Ducey, Governor Yunkin, Kemp uh, here in Georgia. Uh, it really kind of highlighted, especially during the COVID period, what they actually did for their small businesses and how they really helped small businesses thrive uh, during and after pretty much uh, the, the, the pandemic. And so the more we highlight these situations, and frankly, I wanted to play that. We did, we did run some of those ads in blue states because I want people to see, hey, wait a minute. I like what happened there. What does it take and what will it take for us to see that? And what it's going to take is change in leadership, very much like what we saw in Virginia. And so well, and the more is, we highlight that, the better off we're going to be. These are business deals. And that's why I think you see so many successful governors that came from the business world and like Governor yeah. Youngkin and uh, you have some governors out west. They have come in from the business world yeah. and, and Governor Ducey. And they've been able to make these connections, bring businesses in. I think that's something that people don't understand. It's not a you don't just wait for the businesses to come to you. I mean, yeah. last week when we were sitting with a bunch of the governors, I was listening to some of them talk. And, and one of them said, I went to California. I went to sit down right. with the businesses. I recruited them and said, what do you need? I will bring you here. And, and I'll tell you, one of the most successful states from for taking business, and I always give Governor Lee a little grief about this, <laughs> for taking business from Michigan, is Tennessee. And Governor right. Lee has been incredibly successful yeah, yeah. at bringing businesses there. And I will say that I think you can correct me if I'm wrong, but if you have a governor who is able to successfully bring some of these larger corporations into your state, that grows entrepreneurship because you have businesses that pop up around those big businesses. You've got to have hotels, right. you have to have yeah, restaurants, yeah. you have to have widget shops and whatnot to produce products for these bigger companies. And if you're losing out on the, all the big companies, if you have all your eggs in one, in one basket in, in industry, then you're really in a danger zone. And I think that Michigan is the perfect example of that happening. Yeah. And I, I think that that's what people need to understand. You have to be looking at bringing business to a state from all different angles. And that can lift up those entrepreneurs and that can lift up these minority communities that are struggling so 100%. that they can build up their own community. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, probably the, the three worst words for unions to hear are right to work, right? I mean, but if you look at the right to work states, and especially in the automotive industry, I mean, there's a reason why unions keep getting rejected from, from these companies in those states, right? And um, that was just a policy in Michigan that 
over after I think it was 12 years was overturned as soon as the Democrats took control a couple months right. ago. They they re- removed right to work in the state of Michigan and, and no state yeah. has done that. Yeah, no. And, and, and I have to tell you, it's probably the worst thing. I mean, look, I, I'm, I don't want to be a, called a union buster, but unions had their their time. I think they were useful at a point, but there's a reason why membership in unions keeps going down and down. And I have to tell you, Tudor, now with this EV push, it'll be really interesting to see what the UAW in particular um, thinks about some of these plans, because as you know, for example, production of an EV vehicle takes about one half the labor force of an electronic vehicle as it is a combustion engine. Right. And so in terms of uh, employment, um, that's really going to be interesting. So they're going to be pushing for more and more benefits, which means it's operating that state is going to be more and more costly. Um, but uh, look, in the end, we have to make sure that in particular, our small business environment, our, our total business environment, our small business environment is one that's really conducive and friendly to small businesses because they are the, the heartbeat of our communities. And so I have I haven't seen one single state where you know where 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 an unfriendly business environment small business leads to a great thriving state a- economy. Yeah, it just seems like in some of these states there's no focus put on it. They just don't seem to care about it and people are really at a loss as to what to do, which is why I think it is so important that we do find that method to communicate. I love what you're doing with the ads. I know you say you're doing your small part. That's a big part to me. That's something that we desperately needed groups to come in and do during the campaign. And I think it's so valuable. So folks that are listening out there, I mean, this is an organization that you should look at Job Creators Network, talk to them, find out what you can do to help because I will say again that I've I've said this several times on the Republican side, we do not have organizations that get enough funding to go out and do the work on the ground, whereas the Democrats have all different organizations that are doing this. They are pushing through the voters. They are getting to them. They're getting the message to them. They're making sure that they're totally informed because most of our voters are not watching the news. They're not engaged in Twitter. They don't want to hear it. So we need folks like you that can go out and get the message directly to them so they understand the ramifications of voting for a Democrat who's going to drive business out of their state. Well, thank you. And and absolutely. Look, when our founding fathers had a vision for this country. And they really wrote in some beautiful words like of, by, and for the people in the constitution. There is a reason why they did that because that is where the power should be. The power should be within the states. And unfortunately, I think with governors the like your current governor, even though she's should be of, for, by the people, she's not, right? I mean, right. And, and unfortunately, that is the, the most successful states are when they are reminded and when they actually truly act like this state is for a uh, form by the people, right? And that they need to do whatever they can to actually uh, 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 do what's best for the people. And that's what's not what is best for the government within that state or on a federal basis. And so I think, again, there's so much work on these blue states versus red states that's out there. I mean, the data is so apparent. We just need to, as a, I'll call it as a party, as conservatives or as Republican Party, to really be able to communicate the message better, right? It's all yeah. about how yes. we tell the story. The left is really great. Tudor, if I have to give them kudos for one thing, it's their storytelling abilities. Yes. I mean, from the White House all the way down, I mean, 
shoot, the White House right now should be giving, you know, fiction awards for their fiction stories that they came up right. with. But they are really good at this. We are really bad at telling our stories and helping people understand why our way of governing is really the best way because that's the, that produces the most freedom and, the, the, you know, the, 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 the most, quite frankly, the most opportunity for people to succeed. And I think that's why you see some of our most successful states are run by people who are former businessmen and women. And then that's a great training ground to go on to yeah. the presidency, because when you are talking about being in that position, there's a lot of foreign policy that you have to do that mimics what you would do in business, that mimics how you would handle those big deals and those partnerships. I think that's something that as we look at this presidential election, it's just going to yeah. be interesting to see how people interact, how they've been able to work on the economy in their states. And, and that's something that we we really have to keep in mind. But for the, I, I think it'll be 26 when we'll have a several governor's races all again I, the, in 23 and, and 24. We just have a few. But 26, that's a time for us to really talk about what that leadership means at the top of the state. But I, I love what you're doing. Tell, you. our, tell our listeners where to get the book again when it comes out. Yeah, it's actually available at uh, Amazon, of course, like okay. every, everything else is. But The Real Race Revolutionaries. Um, it's great. It's, it's a quick read, 99 pages. I, uh, yeah, I, I promise you'll probably get, get through it in, in uh, three hours or less. Uh, but it's got some great data, some great information that really debunks a lot of this stuff that you hear, uh, you know, coming from the left. Um, and quite frankly, personally, I am so offended and insulted from some of the stuff that's coming from the left that yeah. basically says I'm too dumb you know, to be able to do this on my own and that I just need the government to save me. Yeah. I mean, I just need the government to get out of the way. I need to get, you know, lower my taxes, lower my red tape. And you know what? Let me go at it. I mean, I'm willing to take the risk. Let me then be able to benefit from the full reward. Right. And, and I think that people need to understand if you get this book, this allows you to really talk intelligently and not to say that you're not speaking intelligently now, but have those facts that you can talk to your friends, not offend them, talk to them with just facts and say, this is why these things matter. And this is why it's so important. And I thank you yeah. for writing it. Alfredo Ortiz, it's always a pleasure talking to you. He is the CEO, president and CEO of Job Creators Network. Check it out. They do great work. And I'm, I just appreciate having you on today. Thanks, Tudor. Always a pleasure. And thank you all for joining me as usual on the Tudor Dixon podcast. For this episode and others, go to TudorDixonPodcast.com. You can subscribe right there or go to the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you join us next time on the Tudor Dixon podcast. Have a great week. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts 
of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 